This is the Content Recruiter Podcast. I posted something on LinkedIn last week, just before Christmas. Um, and it was talking about how we made this decision at the start of 2022, um, or 2021, sorry, to stop posting jobs on job boards. Because it was just, it felt like 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 the land of diminishing returns, which sounds like the worst like Netflix series ever, but it genuinely, it, it became ridiculous. You were spending a fortune on like media space for job boards and getting next to nothing back. Mm. And so, yeah, we just kind of made the decision that we were just going to stop. Um, and so we, we said, actually, we do two things. We'd stop going cold outbound and we'd stop um advertising on on conventional generic job boards there might be the odd occasion where we'd look at like specific niche job boards but we'll get onto that i guess um but yeah and the whole generic job boards were were done um linkedin advertising was done um everything was 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 done so we decided that we would approach this thing in a different way and so pretty much all of our spend went on social um a blend of facebook at youtube instagram um, and a little bit on Twitter as well, but not too much on Twitter. Um, but uh, Google as well as the other spot that we that we put some some spending to. But mainly the the, the social channels was what took the bulk of the um, the budget. Um, and what happened was really really interesting because we ran some challenges um, alongside our actual gigs. And so for anyone that isn't aware coders come along and they compete against each other to win a challenge and get some prize money or um or do whatever but the way we um started attracting people to come and do these challenges was basically by um sharing content on platforms like facebook um, and then driving uh, those or that audience through to to the platform okay um and it's just been incredibly successful and then i think the point that we wanted to talk about tonight was so there's a couple of things. Who are the creators in your business that can help drive this sort of strategy? Um, and if you don't have them, who are the people outside of the business that can help drive this sort of strategy? Because this is a genuine roadblock that we hit like pretty early on. Creating content isn't always easy, and we had no one in the business that wanted to actually put themselves out there. Okay. No one technical. And so we then had this challenge of, well, we're going to have to go and find some people to talk about specific niche topics. That's going to start building that, that audience for us on the outside. And so we, um, yeah, we, we, we did that. And we've been working with three creators now in, in 2021. And Nate, the response has been like phenomenal. Okay. Can I get, uh, I want to ask you, like, can I yeah. ask you specific questions about this now? Yeah, please do. Okay. Do, 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 do. How, how long have you been experimenting with the with the media spend so the business has been experimenting with it for the last couple of years we've been going sort of intense throughout the start of 2021 onwards okay so all right and uh and so what what is the content that you're promoting so yeah, it's been, um, we, we've, so this is kind of funny. So the, the company that I'm working with has two main reasons why someone would come and join as a member. 
So the first reason is for gig work opportunities. So they'd come and they'd go and work with some of our clients' businesses for like six weeks, 12 weeks, three months, however long a client would need them. Um, the second reason is for, for challenges. But we actually realized, and this is where the testing part came in, that nobody, very few people reacted to the gig work opportunities. And that's I, my assumption is because actually they're already in jobs. They're not too bothered. They already have a role, whatever. Okay. Um, but the, I, so we just, we, we canned promoting jobs. Like we just canned it because it wasn't working, which I just find really interesting because ultimately that's what, here, that's, what here, that's what we're here to fill. It's, it's jobs. But if people are in a role and they're kind of happy or I don't know, they've got other stuff going on in life, then they don't necessarily want to. And also when you're on Facebook scrolling, I think if, yeah, you've had a long day at work. The last thing you want to do is look at more job-related content to a degree. Yeah. I think some people are ready to jump, but I do think it's probably not as engaging as some other stuff you can put out there. So, so yeah, we, we tested a few things, um, but mainly it was creative to promote uh, challenges. Okay. At so, yeah, so you basically, uh, this isn't exactly... A correlation but it's more like you gamified the content instead of it being like a direct call to action so instead of it being like buy a job or buy a product or something you engaged people in basically like a game yeah yeah to a degree i mean in the, in the beginning the um the content was really all about the challenges, the reason for the challenge that so companies would come to the platform and say, Hey, we want to solve this specific tech challenge that we've got. They'd launch yeah. a challenge. And then we talk about that on the, on the creative that we're putting out on social, um, to, as a way to drive new member attraction. So that, that's like, that's, that's great. But then like, how long does that run for? How long can you keep pushing that challenge model? And I think we realized that actually, not all content has to lead to direct member acquisition or in this instance, candidate engagement or, or application like straight away. And that, and that's something that, that we um, established after, a, after a few months. And so the model changed to the, to the thing we were talking about slightly earlier in, in, in the chat to um, why don't we go and get creators that talk about very niche um, topics. And so, this is where it's got really, really interesting over the last few months. So one of the creators is like a, a MuleSoft developer. For anyone that doesn't know MuleSoft, it's a, um, a an API and integration platform um, recently bought by Salesforce, but um, really, really cool platform. And they are like itching to get new MuleSoft developers going. And so we created, we um, brought on a MuleSoft developer, a MuleSoft um, creator to create MuleSoft content to drive people into the MuleSoft accreditation to give more value back to the community, um, which has been really, really interesting to see, to see that develop. Um, we've also brought in an AI creator who's focusing on FinTech specifically. So hammering down on a, on a specific niche in terms of, in terms of sector. Um, but the biggest, I think success so far, because the other creators are fairly young into their journey in terms of creating content as well. And we know that's going to take time and it's probably going to be sort of a six, 12 month process. We build a consistent audience and, and we start to see some more interesting data flowing. The most interesting 
person we've worked with so far is a guy called Alexei Grigorev, who just before Christmas promoted one of our challenges. And we've seen a huge increase in, in like, in like members. I mean, our member acquisition costs has, has gone to like literally like $10 a member, which for us is, is super, super low off the back of him creating one piece of LinkedIn content, sharing it with his Slack community, but also with his, with his audience on LinkedIn. So that related to data science and data science challenge that we're running. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, um, and is like, he, I, I want to stop for yeah. a sec. Is, is he an influencer in the space? Yeah, he, um, he, he's amazing. So this guy started a, um, a data science Slack community about 12 months ago and he's up to 13,000 members now. Whoa. So he's killing it. And he's at the point where he's going to be starting to look for sponsorship deals to actually sponsor that community. Um, but he, 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 he delivers things like free um, coding boot camps to data scientists and aspiring data scientists. So this is a guy who's built an audience and you know, we made the decision to basically, to use your sort of terminology, to, to go get an influencer who can influence his audience on our behalf and, and start to, um, and start to get them to, to, to come over to the platform. And so it, it, it just works incredibly well. And, um, and it kind of, one thing that I found really interesting about this is we, he, he delivered this content in his tone, his voice, his way. He mm -hmm. literally recorded it on an iPhone. It's been one of his most successful LinkedIn posts this year in terms of engagement. Um, but we let him do it his way rather than saying, Hey, sure. this is a corporate message. Hey, these are the things you've got to, you've got to say, um, that we don't like the way you phrase that, you know, that stuff. Um, and it kind of brought me back to your LinkedIn post from earlier, where you were talking about if you're going to get your leadership team to commit to personal branding, it might, was it earlier today? I think I, I saw oh, it. Oh yeah, today. Twitter. Yeah. I'm not sure if LinkedIn has sort of pushed you back a few days or I've, I've, I've not seen it yet. Um, but yeah, it brought me to that thing of, of you saying, you know, if you're going to get your leadership team to, to get on board with personal branding, like get them to get on board with personal branding. <laughs> Don't just go hire a copywriter to do it. No. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. Dude. Okay. So let's, uh, let's roll this back then. I, yeah. cause there's, there's, there's a lot here. Um, and just like, I, I think it's probably, uh, worth, we're saying, I didn't know anything about this. Like yeah. I, I knew generally just through your post and I saw your post and I messaged you and said like, we should talk about this on the next episode because but I didn't know any of the details. Um, okay. So there's a couple key things here. One, I, I want to know like a decision to stop doing cold outbound was that, I mean, I, I would imagine there's a lot of resistance to something like that. Was there? Yeah, I think, I think naturally when you go against convention, people are always going to get nervous. And I think anyone who's worked in recruitment, the go-to strategy is, is to go and get some piece of automation and start hammering cold messages on LinkedIn or whichever platform you choose. So yeah, there's, there's massive resistance, but the thing is, Nate, like we, we were looking at, um, I wouldn't even necessarily say the data, like there was no firm figures on, right. We've sent 500 messages and we've had 10 responses and three people have become members. Like you just got a feel that it was yeah, really, yeah. really hard to have conversations with these people. I think that's how most recruiting teams feel, but they don't do anything about it. And so yeah. it's like, we know this isn't working. 
We know there's a better way, yet we're just going to keep doing it because, I don't know, the other stuff feels too scary or too risky or, um, I don't know, like just too uncomfortable. Uh, okay, so, so there's that decision. I mean, the job board decision too is a big one. I mean, because the, the, those are, that's like what you do. If you're going to recruit engineers, there's two things you do. You post on job boards, even though you know that like most engineers are gainfully employed and aren't just like surfing job boards, but you do it anyway because it's like, why not do it? Um, and you send a bunch of messages every day. And you said, we're not going to do either one of those. Instead, we're, <laughs> we're going to put that budget, because I would imagine that you were spending a good amount of money on job boards anyway. It's like, I know some of them are free, but like a lot of that stuff isn't. Um, and so you reallocated budget to promote content. The, the, the type of, con the, the, the thing you were promoting now gets, it gets really creative because which, as you were saying this, it really got me thinking about like the difference here that, and, and like the opportunity that just exists with that people, nobody's taken advantage of is like, instead of again, this like call to action of like buy a thing. Now we, we all know that like the, the vast majority of people are not in buy now mode for anything. And so if you're not in buy now mode for anything, how do you engage that audience? And the fucking hilarious thing is like people still like, even though we know that we could probably all agree. Most people are not in buy now mode yet. We're going to cram buy now down their throats because Hey, maybe a couple of them will slip through the cracks and like take the bait. That's it. But yeah, but, uh, but instead this opportunity to engage people with your brand so they can buy later is like, that's a, I don't know. We should talk more about that because it's really, yeah. it's really interesting. Was this, there was this post on um, LinkedIn before Christmas from a, he's a guy who runs like a programmatic tech vendor business or he's part of one. And it was about how people are, how, how basically along the lines of like diminishing returns for job boards, um, from what we said earlier, essentially, but also around, um, like the increase of roles on, on job boards, the amount of ads that are being placed, the all sorts of stuff, basically positioning job boards as like the holy grail of attraction. It was like, this is why I should be using job boards. Um, and the reason job boards aren't working is because the content's crap. And I kind of agree with that. Sometimes I think the variable is the, the copy. Most on a job board. Yeah. I think if you're going to place ads and you are putting crap copy out there and you, you're moaning about like a lack of applications and you're probably not helping yourself. Okay. Um, but I also think job boards, I don't know about you. When I look at a job board, like historically when I've looked for a job and I've been on a job board, I've just like wanted to eat my own face off. It's just not an enjoyable experience at all. Um, no, it's pure. It's uh, job boards are purely inventory. Yeah, they basically, it's like looking at stock on a spreadsheet. It's just it gives me that same feeling. It's just like, oh god, it's horrible. Yeah. Right. Um, but the point that I was getting to was, I think I made a comment on it, and basically saying, if if, um, if recruiters are thinking long term, then they would reduce their 
media spend through job boards right now and start focusing more on social to build demand, create demand in the future. Yeah. And the response I got was something along the lines of, if any serious, if any serious recruiter doesn't have to post jobs, then good on them. I was like, oh, that's kind of sassy, but anyway, whatever. Sure. I, I, um, but the point, the point that I'm getting at here, and I think is a point that a lot of people miss when we talk about this content recruiter framework and the model is that you aren't there to promote jobs. You're there to give people insight and give people a perceived better future for those people, like not to just post jobs and ram jobs down their throat because they don't need jobs right now there's too many jobs for people right the thing they need is a better future and so if you are it's true though isn't it like this is what you're selling them you're not selling them another another job they've already got one and how do they know they aren't going to be equally as unhappy in yours if you're not giving them the insight like it doesn't make any sense and so um and so when we talk about this model I, I see it as exactly that and i think i see recruiters in the future just being under the distribution mechanism for that for that kind of stuff. Okay. Yes. Uh, I mean, dude, the thing about programmatic, I mean, I've like in the past, I think, I think I'm probably due for another, for another post on why programmatic is stupid. Um, I mean, like it's, it's, it's hilarious to me that like most recruitment marketing, it's somebody who's managing a, pro, a programmatic, is managing their programmatic software. They're, they're creating job postings and they're spraying them over as many sites as that platform will distribute them to. Um, and that's like recruitment marketing. And uh, I've gotten into like my battles, you can call them whatever, with like people who work at programmatic companies who like, don't like when I say stuff like that, whatever, but it's just like, I mean, if we're talking about, if we're talking about certain types of candidates, it's, it's okay. Hold on a second. It's no wonder when you look at like tech vendors like that and you look at their customer base, it's no wonder that, that those customers are their customers because they're largely like huge enterprise companies that have thousands of employees and an incredibly diverse set of roles that they're hiring for. And so if you're hiring for like entry level, mid-level distribution center jobs or drivers or flight attendants, or I, I mean, I, I don't know, like you can think of like a whole lot of jobs that aren't like extremely high demand and really hard to fill roles that like spraying across a job board would make sense because those types of workers go to job boards and apply at scale because that's just like how they operate. But if you're talking about like really high demand candidate who are gainfully employed, who get a ton of offers, we're talking about like a different strategy here. And um, that's like the friggin' like nuance that like people, people aren't getting. And, and you know, when you talk about the people in the warehouses who you can attract through job boards and all these different, um, entry level type roles. What are these people doing as soon as they finish a shift in a warehouse? Exactly. Okay. So now we're going to go back to my point. Sorry. Did I just like completely take over? No, Did sorry. You it came into thought? my head. I was just like, what, you know what these people do? You can almost picture it. So when they have a break in the, in a shift, they're working, yes. they've got 10 minutes left. They then go to the 
place where like staff room or whatever you guys call it in the States, they go for a coffee with a friend. What are they doing? Because I'm telling you now, they aren't jumping on Indeed if they're pissed off with their role. <laughs> no, no. They're going into a social, they're going into a different universe to escape this work mindset. They're going straight onto Facebook and they are just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling yep. and scrolling. Okay. They don't want to think about jobs. No. So you said this, okay. I think you said this last week when we did, when we did this. <laughs> we did Discovery. This. Discovery, okay? Which then, I've been thinking nonstop about discovery. And- uh, We should and get I, and, that live, shouldn't we? We should. We should we what? Should, we should be much cooler, because I've been thinking about discovery as well for the last week, and that was even over Christmas. We should, uh, we should relax a little bit and start getting our life again, shouldn't we? <laughs> it's escapism. <laughs> Let's just face it. Um, all right, so. Uh, if we if we look at all right dude i'm gonna go all over the place right now who cares yeah go, all, go, right. Go, go. all right all right all right i was watching this documentary uh about this uh really young hip-hop artist who died yeah uh, a couple years back but um and they would show his concerts with thousands tens of thousands of like i'm gonna call them kids right we're talking like whatever 16 years old, 17 years old to like early 20s. And I'd watch them in the crowd. Every single one of them had a phone up. The other day we're walking, or we're out driving around actually, and my son who's six looks out the window and these two teenage boys, we're like in high school, we're like walking down the street together. And my son goes, hey, why are teenagers always staring at their phones? All right, so then I looked at how I find stuff and the things that I talk about. And you mentioned earlier, you reference LinkedIn posts. I reference LinkedIn posts. Um, when I have conversations with my wife, they're usually related to like podcasts that we're listening to because sometimes we listen to the same podcast or sometimes I'll hear something like really interesting on one, whatever. And so I started looking at all this stuff. And I'm like, how do we discover things? How do we find information? How do we like uh, curate this information and then go about like taking action? And it is all like that. It is what we listen to in our ears. It's what we scroll through in our feeds. It is like, we have like condensed, if we want to find something, whether that is entertainment or information or new product or people or whatever. There are only a couple places now that like a certain block of generations go. And for people to not understand that or accept it is like, it's, it's naive. Sometimes it's arrogance, but like, honestly, man, if like I'm older than you and everything from like my generation all the way down to these future generations, there's a couple places that we go and most of the time it consists in a feed. Yeah. And so to even like to your point, man, like it doesn't matter if you're making an, if you're an hourly worker working at a, at an entry level job that you want to get out of, or you're 
you know, a data scientist, man. Like you proved it. It's just like, where do you go when you're not doing those, that type of work? You go someplace else what, and you're looking right. for other things when you go there. Yeah. And I think it's just like, we got to pay attention to that stuff. We, we, we just achieved our lowest member acquisition cost on LinkedIn through an organic post through an influencer that we've never worked with before. Like it's incredible. It, it's insane. If we had put that through some programmatic platform and said, Hey, go sponsor, go publish this on indeed and monster and job site and whatever other job boards exist, we would have spent hundreds and thousands of pounds for like just and, and, and ages going through CVs that aren't relevant with very little success. And we know, like, we, we, we come to a point, and we've spoken about this metric before of, of like, um, qualified inbound applications, recruiter qualified inbound applications, whatever metric you want to you label it as. Like, we've been through the new members, and they are brilliant. Like, they are experienced. They're exactly the sort of people we want to be bringing to the platform. It just... But, but there's, a, there's also this thing of, like, you can engage them where they are, but you can try to engage them where they are on, on certain platforms. What about the creative? Like that's something else you also need to give a lot of a lot of thought to. Like what are you actually putting out there? Because that's um, that's important. It's not always easy to 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 get right as well. Um, but then where are you actually like? Where do you want these people to go? And and really that is a that's a bit of a, a selfish way of phrasing it. Cause it's not really about you at all. It's about what they want to do. But I just implore that like most recruitment teams now should be thinking about this challenge type model. Like we know that from our, from our research that coders love to learn new things. They love to challenge themselves. So why aren't CTOs getting their team together and say, Hey, look, once a month we're doing a coding challenge. Right. That's it. But yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> it's, it's providing them, providing an audience with something uh, that, uh, but what, how do, how do I say this? It's providing an audience with something other than whatever it is you're trying to sell them. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway is like, if you, if you, if you take a step back and you go, okay, we need to create, we need to create content with the intention of like driving some kind of action, but that content cannot have anything to do with buying something today. Like if you just use that prompt, like you take away the buy today thing, yeah. um, then you have a good place to start. And then, then you can get creative. You can say like coding challenges. You can say like cool fireside chat talks. You could say like, I don't know, whatever it is, like community of some kind or whatever, like this, like, you know, this influencer you're talking about. I mean, there's like all kinds of stuff, but like, it's, uh, you just got to like, see, that's it. when it comes to posting on LinkedIn, for example, the secret sauce is actually never talking about your company no. or never talking about your product or anything like that. The secret sauce is like, it's being unattached to that stuff and not being in sales mode.
because you can't control that stuff. And the less, the more you detach from trying to sell a thing, the more it actually ends up happening. Yeah. Because, because you're behaving differently. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more, Nate. We, um, <clears throat> your analogy there is perfect, by the way. Selling the products without talking about the product. It's like if you're a chef, you go on and you um, give away recipes. Or if you're New yes. Balance, you talk about running styles. You know, that you could give an example for every brand in the world. But the last thing that you wanted, unless you're very established, of course, like other brands can get away with sticking a product front and center and, 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 and selling stuff to, to strangers probably. But um, I'd say most companies are in a position where the education first model is, is going to win for them. And I don't see recruitment teams being any different. And, 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 and getting out of this, this model and this mindset that people should like flip jobs like that because people's careers are really, really important and the impact we're having on people is, is really, really big. And so we've got to stop treating people's careers like another product through Amazon Prime um, and getting clear on, on how we can help them. Mm -hmm. The, um, you know, like one thing I know, like, <clears throat> We're probably getting close to like cut off time. Here, you're gonna, but, uh, you're, no pressure. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to take the floor to wrap it up. Okay. One thing I want to think of, or uh, that I do want to talk about is like, I know this is a show about, <laughs> this is a show about content. Um, there's uh, let's see, creating content is not easy. Getting buy-in to do it is even harder. And I also, back to like, I guess my post today, which was about uh, senior leaders wanting to like, have like a public facing, be public facing figures, but not wanting to put the work in. So thinking that like people can like create content on their behalf and then like use their profiles to put it out, which is a, is a pretty arrogant thing to, to think about. But, um, it's also not like the silver bullet either. I think like you're, what we talked about like the first half of this episode was like, is the most, one of, uh, one of the most creative things I've heard about in recruiting, honestly. Like it, it really is. Um, the fact that you've proven that you can lead with content to drive interest from perhaps the hardest cohort of candidates in the market to get attention from yeah. um, proves it like it's uh, proves that this works at the same time. I know there's a lot of people thinking, sitting around thinking that like, Oh, I can just go create content and like suddenly like great things start to happen. Um, it's not how it works. It's like, there's a, there's like this level of like intention and creativity and distribution and like all the stuff that like goes into it. And like, none of this stuff is easy, but, um, it's just complex. I don't know, man. Like it, it's like the execution of it is honestly not that, not that complex. Um, but all of the things like leading up to it actually are like the, I think like one, one, one thing about you that like, I've loved what way before we even started like recording any of our conversations is that you never go into anything thinking that the way that it's being done is the right way. It's like, you almost like, like you look at like certain things and you're like, there has to be a different way. You oh, know? 
yeah, on a personal level, by the way, that is horrible. Because <laughs> you look at everything and you're like, hold on, that burger van shouldn't be making things like that. They should do something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, but seriously, it's, it's yeah, no, I, it, it's all that. And you, you've nailed it. Like, I think the toughest part of doing this stuff is is understanding, like, who the audience is and how you can actually help serve them. Because if you're not filling a gap, if you're not solving a problem for anyone, there's no point in, in, in even in even starting to publish stuff either organically or or paid like you, you can't put content that isn't solving a problem through paid ads and expect it to accelerate and solve all your, your, your hiring challenges like, it's just not going to happen and this is the reason why we do this podcast because we think we've got um a different angle to bring to recruitment we don't think recruiters should be sourcing for the rest of their life and we don't think recruiters should be posting crap job ads for the rest of their life we don't think they should stop doing both today but we think they should start blending it with with a concept led approach so um i think that's quite an interesting angle for for the industry to take a look at um i know you do as well and and it's working i don't know what else to tell people it's just working and i've honestly i've never felt um you know back in the days when you were when you're recruiting as a as a sourcer and then as a recruiter and having these cold conversations with people, it was exhausting. Um, and, and actually now we're spending our days trying to be as innovative as possible, as possible. new ideas are flowing. Um, we're getting, yeah, I can't tell you how exciting it is that feeling when real quality engineers are coming to you and saying, hey, I've seen this content or they're commenting and it's amplifying the content further to their existing network. All those right. little things, those little moments where you go, yeah, we've got that one right. Yep. But it's okay. Last thing, and then we'll and then we'll jump. But what you're talking about is like you're paying really close attention to those like little like those nuances. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a comment, it's a DM, it's uh, it's it's understanding that like when like when the right person engages with something, it promotes it to their network, which then like has these effects that like you can't actually measure, but you just know it's happening. And it's like, there's a different level of like looking at this stuff than going like, oh, I threw out a post and it did this. It's like, that's not the real story. There's, there's things and just like the, uh, the intuitive nature of everything that, that you've done around this is, uh, it's really cool. And I hope people like pay close attention to like those aspects of this, because if you're like sensing something and you're feeling it and everybody around you is also feeling it, well then you're probably right. And you should probably think about doing something different.